Welcome to the Dollars and Cents Radio Show with your host, accountant and author Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA. Carol takes confusing topics such as money and business and puts them into clear English. She's ready to share her knowledge with you on today's show. Hi, everyone. This is Carol Topp from homeschoolcpa.com, and welcome to the Homeschool Leader Podcast here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I recorded a webinar back in June, on June 1st, 2020, and this is now being recorded in September, three months later. The webinar was designed for homeschool leaders who were in a very difficult position trying to make decisions about their future, the future of their the programs and the groups they led in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. A lot of things had changed for homeschool groups. They couldn't uh, figure out if they would be allowed to meet in their buildings or if they had some certain health requirements, social distancing, mask wearing, sanitization, things like that. So the webinar was me and three other homeschool leaders who agreed to talk about the whole process of how they make decisions, what decisions they came to, and in June, how they were planning the future. So I have taken the highlights of that webinar and broken it into the six different podcast episodes, which will be kind of the highlight reel of the webinar. If you want to watch the webinar, because there are slides to go with it, as well as see the panelists as they're talking, you might enjoy that. Uh, It is available on YouTube. Um, You can uh, Google on YouTube, Homeschool CPA webinar, something like that. Or you can find it in the show notes to this podcast episode and the following podcast episodes. And you can always find the show notes over at homeschoolcpa.com slash podcast. And the look for podcast numbers 197 through uh, 202. And you will find the show notes there. I hope you find what the panelists say helpful as they talk about how they make decisions, answer questions from the audience, and in general, just get an idea of what other leaders do, how they run their organizations. Even if you're not trying to figure out an uncertain future like they were, and we still are here sitting in the fall, it's things are still very uncertain how they're going to play out in the next few months with the pandemic still raging here in the United States. But I think you'll just find it to be a very helpful webinar as many people have and have watched it and will benefit from it. So um, sit back, enjoy the highlight reel, or go check out the whole webinar. It's uh, available to you at no charge at all, uh, just to my way of helping homeschool leaders run their organizations as successfully as they possibly can. All right, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the next topic, which some of you already kind of covered, which is social distancing in a homeschool program. Uh, I think it was Amanda, you were the one who said you got huge classrooms, so it's it's easier for you. Angela Taylor in Texas doesn't have as many requirements, and poor Amanda Campbell in Rhode Island, you're just shaking your head like I don't know, we can't, I don't know what we're gonna do. Um, But I have heard many times already and want to reiterate that, of course, the key concern is the safety of your members Uh, and and do exactly what Amanda Wynn-Hoyle was just saying. Find out what your state and local guidelines are. 
maybe you form a committee who studies that. So, you know, you as the leader don't take on everything. Look and ask what your church, if you meet in a church or your landlord or your host guidelines are. Some of the panelists already referred to that. You know, we've been talking to the, the, folk, the place we rent from about what their requirements are gonna be for cleanliness. Have an illness policy. If you don't already have one, go and share, please share your policy on what illnesses are and I think one of the panelists said how they had to beef up their policy even. Please go ahead and share it on the um, Facebook group, the I Am a Homeschool Group Leader Facebook group. In the file section, just put your, you know, name it something so we can find it, such and such organization illness policy. So other leaders can benefit from reading illness policies and then benefit maybe make their own. Um, and uh, know your host sanitizing requirements. If you've not already met with them, this is the time to start meeting with them and say, what are you gonna require from us so you can even determine if your group can comply going forward. Social distancing. So I read this article uh, not long ago, just May 23rd. It was written by um, NPR. It was called From Camping to Dining Out, How Experts Rate the Risks of 14 Summer Activities. And what I liked there was um, a doctor referenced in the article talked about four criteria you need to consider when you try to determine if you can comply with social distancing requirements. And the first is the length of time that your group is together. You know, maybe just mom's meeting for one hour is not a problem, but a three hour, six hour co-op day is obviously a very different story. The space that you have, Amanda Sillen said there in Ohio, she's not concerned because her space is big. The, the co-op, uh, the church that my co-op met in, we definitely had space constraints. The number of people involved, uh, Amanda Campbell already talked about in Rhode Island, it's groups very small, you know, 15, maybe maybe going only slightly higher in the future. And then indoors or outdoors. So I'm in Ohio, like Amanda, we're looking forward to the summer because that's when we can meet outside. And, and poor Angela in Texas is like, no, summer, summer is when we go in. <laughs> outside in the winter. So think about whether you can be indoor or outdoor. So these are just some things to think about as you figure out, can we even offer this program because of these kinds of constraints and social distancing. Um, dear panel, do you want to share anything else about your social distancing? I'll just ask one of you to physically raise your hand and wants to go first and I'll call on you. Yep, go ahead, Amanda. Amanda in Ohio. Yep, unmute yourself and tell us what you are thinking about. So one thing that we we are doing that was recommended by our school nurse consultant person um, was changing the dates that we meet. Um, normally, we wouldn't start until after uh, Labor Day, and we would meet all the way through until mid-December. And she said, you know, you're going to overlap flu season, and there's no way to tell the difference between this and the flu. And I thought, oh my gosh, I never even thought of that. But a nurse thinks like that. And so she's like, back yourself up, get out of there before Thanksgiving. So we're starting mid-August this year, and we're going to be done by Thanksgiving. Um, and then we're going to reevaluate what to do for the, the spring semester after the flu season. But that was just one thing. Um, most of the other things that we put in place were things from like the Ohio guidance that we received. Things like sanitizing more often, asking people to keep six feet of distance, encouraging families to sit together in family groups at lunchtime, um, things like that. Whereas normally you would just commingle. I mean, you wouldn't even worry about it. Mm -hmm. um, but all of the rest of our stuff, I think, um, would have been in those Ohio guidelines. 
but that one, um, that one was not. So, uh, yeah, that was the only extra idea that really I was like, oh, that's a really good idea. We should do that. Thank you. Angela Taylor, do you have anything to add? You kind of touched on that already. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add. I mean, the only thing that we changed with our sick policy this particular semester is that we were very specific of having people, we created a form where they actually had to check off each one. So, and basically it was very, it was listed all out, but they basically, it was to summarize, if you think you have it, don't come. If you've been in contact with somebody, don't come. Um, but, you know, we listed it out point by point um, and we made them check a little mark, just, you know, just a little bit more so that we thought maybe they actually looked at it a little bit more closely to know what, um, what we're expecting from them. Everything else is exactly what Amanda said, so. Great. Amanda Campbell in Rhode Island, do you have anything to add? So I'll just add that, um... We have a parent who is a family doc who we also, as a board, um, conference with him, basically. Uh, in fact, we shut down a week before the rest of the world came to have, uh, thanks to him. Um, and we took a lot of flack that week, actually. And then everybody was kind of like, oh, good thing. <laughs> so it, it was very... Um, it was really good for those of us on the board to feel like we had a good re a real resource. And so again, we have plans to connect and talk with him and, and check in from time to time. Um, and uh, I will just back up and say, we also last year really beefed up our um, sick policy as well as got uh, very forceful about reminding people <laughs> of it through the year. It was a bad flu season here last year. And so um, almost weekly, we, we would make some sort of statement or reminder about what the policy was and, you know, we'll bring your art home to you or whatever it is, right? Like to make it okay to not come. Um, and uh, we also had teachers who would sick out and we would zoom them in. We did that a couple of times. I'm not sure it was fantastic, but it was good. It was okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I think those things are, are really important. And then I'll just say personally, I am someone who's comfortable with difficult conversations. So when we've had people who sort of push the issue or are consistently breaking policy, I, I do contact them. And I'm not school mommy about it, but I I am from, I try to come from a place of um, we're a community, I'm concerned about you, your community is concerned about you, let's talk about what the policy is and why. And I think that that's important that uh, for, as leaders, if we're going to have guidelines that we are able to talk about them mm -hmm. um, with our community as a community. So that's my bit. That's good. Thank you. All right, we are going to take a little bit of time for Q&A, and I do want to remind um, folks that and you've already posted lots of questions, so I probably should have said this early on, but um, Q&A with our panelists. Our panelists are not medical experts. Our panelists are not legal experts. Our panelists are not experts on your group, <laughs> and they're not able to predict the future, obviously. So, Doreen, let's unmute yourself and see what uh, people have 
have asked, I know there's a bunch already, so Doreen's got the very challenging job of figuring out which ones to, to ask our panel. And panel, I'll just let you raise your hand, unmute yourself, and, and, and answer. Awesome. All right. Yeah, so we have a lot of great questions coming in. Um, here, a couple of folks have asked this question. Um, what are you all doing about a deadline to make decisions for what you're doing for the fall? And how are you handling money and managing a timeline? How are you giving your families, your teachers time to respond to whatever your decision is? That's a really good question. Go ahead, Angela. Yeah, I'll start there because today was our registration day. So for our co-op and we did that because we wanted, we didn't want to be scrambling at the end of the summer. So, you know, it takes a lot to plan for a semester. So we decided we'd rather plan for it and scrap it all than to be scrambling at the very end. But we did not take any money. So we asked them to register for classes just so we could get an idea of what people's thoughts were on whether they were going to come back, how they were feeling about it, you know, just to get a feel for what our numbers might look like. And we won't collect any money until right pretty close to when we go back. And we've never done that before. And it is a little risky to wait to do that just as far as, you know, people's commitment levels, but we just didn't want to spend, you know, a solid two or three weeks just trying to push it all in together. So we're not collecting anything, but we are planning as though it's, we're moving forward. Makes life easier on your treasurer when she doesn't have to worry about making those refunds or partial refunds. Right. And that was it too, is we didn't want to refund any money. So. Yeah. I have a heart for treasurers. Being <laughs> <laughs> Amanda, Amanda in Ohio, Amanda, Rhode Island, do you have anything you want to add to try to answer that question? We've got more questions. We, we did something similar. Our registration software allows us to collect information and take deposits without taking all the money. So it's really easy to refund when it's all through software and you just go click refund um, and if we need to do that. And our registration opened today. So uh yeah i mean we're, we're Amanda, there what, what software are you using let's give them a plug uh regfox and if you want to use it though i get a 200 dollars credit and you get a 200 dollars credit so i will give you a code that you can use if you want to use it <laughs> but that's right. the grouper <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you for joining the dollars and cents radio show with carol top here at the ultimate homeschool radio network for more helpful information, visit Carol at her website, homeschoolcpa.com.